As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. Been in the area where I grew up in North Carolina, going through these type of times, but probably not at this level. You know, I mean, never been on a standstill where we couldn't do anything. But just know that times you might not have a roof over your head or not have nothing to eat. That at times that was a big factor to me of seeing that and seeing what these families go through. You know, for me to be in the position I am, NBA superstar with all the money, can do whatever I want. But I think just being present, talking to these people, going there and interact with them myself, I think that's what put a smile on their faces and make them feel like I'm normal, just like them. Hey, on this edition of the Wizards Talk podcast, it's all about giving back to our community. You'll hear from someone who will explain how John Wall once again is doing his part to put his time and resources behind a great cause to help our friends in Ward 8. Plus, I'll chat with Wizards head coach Scott Brooks on what the team has been doing since this pandemic has hit our planet. And just a reminder, this podcast is now available on our My Teams app. Thanks for listening. Please leave a review. Plus, your comments are always appreciated. Time now to hear from Candace Jones, who is the Director of Events for the John Wall Family Foundation, explaining why John is once again spearheading a campaign to help our folks in D.C.'s Ward 8. All right, Candace, I appreciate you joining us here on the Wizards Talk podcast. Let's just get right to it. Tell me about the 202 Assist Program. So the 202 Assist Program is an initiative that John Wall and the John Wall Family Foundation launched on Friday, last Friday. Um, it is a rent relief program. It will provide rent relief to families in need, in, specifically um, in the Ward 8 community of Washington, D.C. That is a community that is near and dear to John. Um, not only does he go there every day um, in the regular season to uh, practice, and for treatment, he also has a lot of long-lasting community relationships in uh, War 8. Bright Beginnings, um, their new facility, um, which he was significant donor and uh, regular community partner, is uh, in Ward 8. Um, we've had countless uh, programs to benefit uh, the citizens of Ward 8. Um, and not only um, it's, it's common, but uh, fortunately, a lot of people in Ward 8 are um, underserved and sometimes um, forgotten about. And so um, John said, not under my watch will this happen. Um, so during this pandemic that we all are experiencing, um, he wanted to make sure that the families over there weren't forgotten and that those that are in need um, of rent relief would be able to uh, receive it. So this is a 30-day fundraising campaign. His goal is to raise $300,000 to go specifically towards those families. And it started on May 22nd, and it goes to June 22nd. Okay. For folks that are interested, that are watching and listening, please do your part to help our friends in Ward 8. You can go to 202assist.com. Candace is joining us here on the Wizards Talk Podcast. You talked about 
John being like, this is not on my watch. For those of us that have been around him since day one, he's gotten to the NBA. You have been one of those people. Indeed. You know that underserved communities are important to John. You talked about bright beginnings. And it's not just here. It's also in his hometown of Raleigh, North Carolina. I don't know how many times you and I have made that trek down to Raleigh for the backpack giveaway, right? It's, it's almost like a, a, a summer. It's like our summer tour. We got to make sure we get down to Raleigh. Talk to me about when you first started working with John and his foundation, how you guys got started and, and, and why picking these certain communities for him to make this type of not only financial impact, but emotional impact as well. I think it, it starts with how he was raised. Um, his mom, Miss Francis, um, near and dear to all of us, she uh, really instilled in him giving back. I mean, John has been in the league, what, 10 years? So, I mean, just 10 years ago, um, he was living in a different environment. He came from an area where people, you know, needed to make ends meet. He often talks about, um, you know, the sacrifices that his mom had made, you know, in order for him to go to basketball tournaments or play in this tournament and, and, and to be involved. Um, and so um, that he hasn't forgotten that. Um, and it's important to him to make sure that um, he gives back to families that remind him of where he's come from. For 10 years that you and I have been a part of this, uh, me from a media standpoint and you being a part of the Family Foundation, he's not just giving of his money. Mm -mm. I think the most important thing that he has done, Candace, it's like he's there. I, I remember the first time he did the, the backpack giveaway Dude was there for a while. I mean, he was there literally handing these backpacks to these kids and to the families and taking the pictures and just the importance of just being there. How, how valuable do you think that is to John? It's very valuable. I think he, and you hear him say it all the time, that he wishes somebody in his position would have done what he's doing um, when he was younger. And so I think that weighs on him and he makes it a point to make sure that he not only, as he says, gives us his money, but he gives his time. So yes, you will see him at the event, whether it's passing out turkeys, he will be the one in the back of the truck handing out the turkey. He will be the person putting the backpack on your child. He will be the person shaking your hand if you're coming to a movie premiere, um, making sure that he takes the picture. He wants to be very hands-on and he realizes the impact that that can have on a young child. Oftentimes, it's just representation, being able to see somebody that looks like you and has come from where you from that can um, catapult, you know, uh, a dream or spark an interest or um, encourage somebody to, to do better and want to see themselves in a better circumstance. So he recognizes um, that to much is given, much is required, and he takes that on his shoulders and is very um, hands-on um, with the foundation and with his events. Some people just know the best rate for you is a rate based on you with Allstate. Not one based on Carol. She's more focused on hitting a high note than the car in front of her. Why pay a rate based on anyone else? Get one based on you with DriveWise from Allstate. Not available in Alaska or California. Subject to terms and conditions. Rates are determined by several factors which vary by state. In some states, participation in DriveWise allows Allstate to use your driving data for purposes of rating. While in some states, your rate could increase with high-risk driving. Generally, safer drivers will save with DriveWise. Allstate Fire and Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates North Park, Illinois. Candace Jones is the event director for the John Wall Family Foundation, talking about the 202 Assist Program provides rent assistance to folks in Ward 8 impacted by the COVID-19 pandemic. Uh, again, Candace, you guys want to get about, you, you want to raise $300,000 for the next month. I think this is a great cause. 
during this time where kids are graduating, I was thinking about you and John the other day. This had to be, oh my gosh, it, it's been a while. Do you remember when John did the program with the young men, fitting them with tuxedos for the prom? Yes, actually, um, I have an app on my phone that shows me like what I posted on social media a year, seven years ago, five years ago, and throughout this whole week that just passed, those pictures have been posting up, um, popping up. And uh, we partnered with different organizations, I want to say, and they sent out um, kids or young men, I should say, that um, were in need of assistance during um, their prom time, their prom season. So we found a tailor, we fitted them. Sean John was our partner back then. They would give us cologne, watches, sunglasses. They hooked us up with a stylist that would come in and get the guys all set up. It was an experience. And I wanna say we did it for about three, maybe four years. One year, the last year we did it, we actually took the students up to New York. And so we did the exact the experience there, which kind of like made it a different experience, but the same. So it was a dope yeah. program. I forgot about that until I saw those pictures. <laughs> it just reminded me of just again John's commitment to the young to the to those young men. And it wasn't just the money. I just remember like John just sitting in there watching these guys get fitted, and they were just they had the time of their life. Candace, I'm gonna tell you this: as a man, it's very rare where you can get a couple guys together going shopping or getting fitted for suits. Yeah. Right? It's just yeah. we just want to get in and get out. Yeah. But I felt like that experience with them to bring them together, and again, it was for a great cause, and you know, just to see them styling and profiling to the prom right. really an impact that John had on. Yeah, you can see them change throughout the day, like their demeanor, their attitude, their little ego would start to pop out a little bit. They would come in real meek and mild, you know, really thankful and, and really shy when John is there. And then all of a sudden they put the sunglasses on or they put the belt on and they're going through the whole fitting and they start to see the swag that they were getting, whether it was a jersey signed or tickets to the next game and they would kind of come out of their shell. So that was that was a dope program, and I know John enjoyed it. And our partners at Sean John, they were always amazing. Absolutely. This is uh, year 10 with John in the league. And the other day I was talking to him, and I was like, bro, I can't believe it's been 10 years. For you that have you've been working with him side by side on all of his community endeavors, does it feel like a decade? No, it doesn't. <laughs> it doesn't. When I look back at the pictures, I can tell that it is because he looks – like a little kid 10 years ago. <laughs> um, but no, it doesn't feel like a decade. Time flies. And to see how consistent he's been throughout those 10 years in the community, along with all the great things he's done on the court, the all-stars, the playoff appearances, and all of that. Um, but to see, um, and, and the other thing is how the community embraces him. Like oftentimes I'll look at the comments and people are like, we love what you're doing for DC or thanks for never forgetting about Raleigh, that type of thing. So um, he's loved by the people, the people love him. And I think that's the one thing we've been lucky to always have um, a great group of guys um, that are on the Washington Wizards teams that not only are impactful on the court, but care about the town that they're living in for those months that they're here. Candace, you got to give me one story about him that doesn't have anything to do with basketball that has resonated with you for 10 years. John loves his family. I can just, I mean, how when he came here to Washington, 
his mom and his sisters would come up, you know, very frequently. And you would think that that would like change all or, or stop a little bit, you know, because, hey, he's been here for 10 years. Nope, they still came every so often. On a, if a game fell on a Saturday, they were going to be here. They were here for a long weekend. And being able to work with him um, on the community aspect and then just being welcomed into his family and his family becoming my family. Um, and you know, the love that they have for each other, the big events that they have for each other, um, and always having his family at the events. I mean, Miss Francis was definitely a staple um, at our community events and she is dearly missed. And we will continue to um, honor her throughout all of the events that we have. Each event, um, it, it, I don't think it'll ever get easy recognizing that, you know, she's no longer with us, especially the events that you're used to seeing her mm -hmm. um, ride up from Raleigh. She's a, yep. she's a driving lady. She <laughs> get on the highway. <laughs> um, and she, you, I'll be like, Miss Francis, I didn't even know you were coming. I'm here with my T-shirt. So mm -hmm. that is definitely something that I, I have fond memories of his family being involved in the events. I know our, all of our hearts are, are, are broken. I love that woman. Yeah. I, I don't know what the backpack giveaway will be like without seeing her face. I remember yeah. seeing her last year when you guys did a tremendous job of having it at Dave and Buster's up in Harper yeah. Marlboro. You guys did a wonderful job helping the kids because you knew how hot it was outside. So you brought them inside, gave them food, let them play. That's one of been my one of my favorite things covering this team, Candace, is the community events that you guys put on because a lot of us have come from environments like this and to see the organization and see the players that are fully vested in it. And it's not just, I got to go and do an hour and then I'm leaving. Like these guys are really involved in it. I want to finish with this. So this is such a really good initiative. What is the big picture plan you think we're going to get out of this 202 assist program? Being able to help um, individuals that might not have been able to receive help, like that might not have thought that they would, have been able to make, you know, whether it, this is May, make, make June's rent or make July's rent, depending on how much money we raise, you know, the program, the, the funds will be released as long as they last. So the more money we raise, the more families that can be uh, impacted um, and can receive funds. So being able to help somebody that didn't see help coming is going to be a blessing. Um, and I know John is looking forward to doing that. And he's definitely encouraging everyone to, visit that website, www.202assist.com, and to donate every little bit helps. So if you want to forego your Starbucks for a week and donate that money, <laughs> by all means, we will accept it gladly. Candace Jones, the event director for the John Wall Family Foundation, joining us here on the Wizards Talk podcast. Candace, thank you so much for your time. And again, let's get over $300,000 and let's help our friends in Ward 8. All right, that's Candace. Let's check in now with Scott Brooks. Recently I had a chance to catch up with the guy who got a brand new haircut, and it was for a good cause. This is Mike Tirico, introducing you to Sports Uncovered. When I lose the sense of motivation and the sense of to prove something as a basketball player, it's time for me to move away from the game of basketball. Quote, unquote, I'm back. I'm back. The two-word facts from Michael Jordan announcing the most famous comeback in NBA history. That's the most impactful two words ever. Subscribe to Sports Uncovered right now to get the Michael Jordan episode automatically downloaded on May 28th. You know, I haven't seen you in what, uh, 
Two and a half March eleventh. Uh, first of all, I love the haircut. Love what you did, you and your family doing that. Um, Thank you. How are you holding up? Good, actually. You know, it's um, just weird. <laughs> it's weird, strange. Yeah. Uh, this whole thing is like surreal. Like not only not only the the basketball part of things, just life, you know, the world. Yeah. What's going on? Like, wh when's this going to end? How we're going to move forward? There's so many, so many different things out there that you don't. It's it's, a, it's somewhat confusing, and then you, you know, what you listen to and what you read. It's like so many contradictions. So, but just trying to stay positive and move forward. You know, obviously, what you did, I was with your daughter. Can you just talk about that? I mean, it was such a connective thing between the two of you, and, and I know you did it for a really good cause. Yeah, I mean, the the cause is really, it's been inspiring, Chris, to seeing all the frontline workers and our team stepped up big time. Ted and the rest of our ownership group and our organization, everybody has chipped in uh, throughout the last couple of months. And then my daughter has been on my case about my hair. I usually get my hair cut, you know, once every month or so and it's been because i didn't get a haircut like a month prior to the league was being suspended so it's been over like three months so mm -hmm. she was always teasing me and harassing me and threatening me that you know i better i better sleep with one eye open and she's gonna just <laughs> you know just chop it down and just like just like hijack it and, but um we decided you know to do it and for a good cause. And, you know, I'm real thankful that we've had so many good fans that, that got involved in, and the generosity of everybody, even my friends. I, I, but I always question my friends' motive. I don't know if they, I mean, they all have good hearts, but I think they wanted to see me bald. They wanted to see my hair off because most of them don't have good hair. And I have, you know, I've been blessed with some good hair. So, but it was it was it was really really cool to be with my daughter and my wife and my son during during that moment and and then my having yeah. my daughter step up and she's a little bit shy so it was it was cool to see her like step out of her comfort zone. Yeah, um, I know we're going through this time where we can't hang out, but I wish I had a camera uh, the day you got your haircut and we could have just walked around maybe Malibu or anywhere just to see people walk up to you and ask if you were that dude from Breaking Bad. <laughs> Jesse, right? I've never, I've never, I've never seen an episode yet. And I, I'm like one of the few people in the world probably has not seen Breaking Bad, but uh -huh. I've heard that many times. All my buddies, <laughs> when they're sending me split screen pictures of uh, Jesse from Breaking Bad and myself. And I will say this, there's a lot of similarities. Uh, I, even Ike says, is that me? Uh, but yeah, it, you know what's the craziest thing? And obviously your lack of hair, you know this. Olically challenged, just say it. <laughs> You're a little challenged. Uh, but you know what? The funny thing is after I got it, I went for a run, I went for like an hour run and it was like 75, it was hot here. It was sunny, the sun was out. So I went for a run and that night I'm like, man, I didn't really realize that. I said that night I, I'm itching my hair, man, my, my, my head itches. And I didn't realize I got a sunburn. And now, I mean, now I, I wear a hat every day now, but <laughs> you can, if you look closely, I'm starting, I was peeling up here and everything. Yeah, uh, but it's, it, it's actually, 
it's easy. I love it. I just wake you know up and go. It, that's what I was going to tell you. I always tell people is when I decided that the receding hairline was enough and my George Jefferson just couldn't look good on TV anymore. <laughs> I said, I have what you call a get up and go look. You just get up and go, brother. Get up and go. Uh, I like it. Some, one of my buddies sent me as he says, Scott, you, 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 you did that for charity. I get it. But you know what? You're so cheap. You just didn't want to pay for shampoo. <laughs> <laughs> what did you think of the last dance? And the second part of my question is, is how much are you going back into the lab, looking at some of your plays and some of your strategies. So when we do come back, whenever that is, uh, do you feel like you've got a little more in your playbook? Yeah, you know, the thing is, the, la the first of all, the last dance was just, I mean, it, it was exactly what the, uh, what the doctor ordered. We needed that. I think the, the sports world, uh, the country needed that. That was really, really special. That was special times. I mean, in the 90s, Chicago, even though that I was competing against them, just seeing greatness behind the scenes. I've been in enough locker rooms and been around a lot of great players, so you kind of have a little bit of a feel. But uh, Jordan was—he's uh, one of a kind. I mean, he had—he had the ability, and I say this all the time. He had the ability to have your starting two guard come up with this mysterious injury like two weeks before we played the Chicago Bulls, so it didn't look so obvious. The day or the two days before, the, the MJ flu, that the MJ flu, or the Jordanitis. Uh, <laughs> one, one, one of the two, and it's crazy. I mean, he put fear. He, I mean, literally, he put fear into starting two guards because he, and he charmed you, man. It's the amazing things he always talked to the guy. Hey, hey, man, how's your family? How's how's this? How's this? And he's busting your butt for like fifty, and but it's just setting you up, but crazy it was it was great i mean it was great behind the scenes you didn't realize man how he, he loves smoke cigars right it's like every it's crazy. like well that part in episode 10 where he said he had a couple beers before at the before shoot around and had a cigar and he was yeah. so loose yeah. it's like game one you just went through this slugfest with indiana for seven games and you know, I don't think he faked it. He, to me, he was like the most relaxed guy out there during that shoot around. Hit the half court yeah. shot and was like, let's go. Yeah. But you had some, hey, listen, that Rockets team, you had some soldiers over there. I know Vernon wasn't scared. I know you oh. had some guys over there that was, and, and the one thing that you hear about the debate was if MJ wouldn't have retired, if Houston would have won back to back. I'll say this Chicago had no answer for that big fella. No, yeah, they had no answer for him. I, I don't. I mean, it's easy for me to say this now because it, you know it's all hypothetical. I don't think uh, they would have beat beat us in '94. Now the next year it could have been a different story, but that '94 team dream was he was it was destiny. I mean, he was like locked in. I've never seen a guy uh, up close every fourth quarter. I I don't even think he missed a shot, let alone you know, make a mistake. Just He just had both ends of the floor just covered. And, Scotty, was that but, the year David Robinson won the MVP and he took it out on David Robinson in the playoffs? No, that was the, that was the next year. I was think the next it was, year. That was okay. 94. I got traded in the middle of the season that next, the second championship. I got traded to Dallas. Okay. Uh, but like you said about Vernon Maxwell, I think he's probably one of the only guys I've been around that had no fear, zero, zero. Actually, he, he circled, he circled the two times we were playing Chicago. He wanted, he wanted to play. I remember one time they were just going at each other, just going at, 
And you can tell it was getting a little dicey, man. It was like, okay, this might be a fight uh, eventually. But they got, they got, I mean, they got like nose to nose one time. And Vernon, man, Vernon, I will never forget this, Vernon, but I'm not going to say exactly what he said. But you can, you, can, you can fill in the rest of the words. He said, man, I don't care how many blank, blank, blank commercials you in. I don't care how many Nike commercials you in. I don't care how many McDonald's commercials. I will blank, blank your butt. And I'm not, I'm not, I'm not intimidated by all those commercials. I mean, I'm like looking at it. I'm like, gosh, man, Vernon, you, 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 you know, you're talking to Jordan, right? Uh, but yeah, but he wasn't afraid. I mean, we, we, we would, I think we beat them most of the times at home and, and they beat us at their place. Yeah. How much you in the lab right now oh, looking yeah. at film and kind of getting yourself ready to go back to work. You know, what's really cool about all this, uh, Chris, I mean, we can't, get in the practice side and the, the physical, the sweat, the contact, the, the, you know, the, with the players, but what we can do and, and the players have been really good. I'll give the players a lot of credit because this is, it takes discipline and, and just focus and structure when you don't really have to have that right now, but they're on their zoom uh, workouts with uh, our strength and conditioning coach Blair. They're on our basketball ball handling workouts, with coach Williams. They got the yoga uh, once a week. And then what we've done was really, I think it's really good. Our, our assistant coaches came up with this and they get all the credit that we've been breaking down to the, la the last time that John and Brad played together healthy was basically my first year. And we took, we beat Atlanta in six and we took Boston to seven. And I think it, 10 or 11 or even 12 guys on our team never played on the same court with a healthy John and Brad. So we wanted them to see that because eventually, maybe not this season, well, not this season, but next season, those two guys are coming back. And the growth of TB and Mo and Rui and Troy, their growth, John coming back, another first round pick, we can, you know, we can get back into the mix of things pretty quick uh, with John's ability to impact the game on both ends. Brad and John are, you know, when healthy, uh, it's, it's pretty special. I mean, they make yeah. all of us look pretty good. And it's amazing. So we've been doing that. We've been breaking it down like three or four players with three or four coaches, and we break down every game. And coach and the players are acting like coaches. What are what are some of the uh, in-game adjustments that you liked, you didn't like? What are some of the things that you're going to go through next game, getting ready for next game? What do you think they're going to do differently? So you had to strategize that way. And the dialogue with I, mean, I jump on them all the time. The Zoom meeting, the dialogue with the players is really, really special. I'm, I'm hoping that we tape a lot of that because it's some really good, really good content. Well, the beauty of what you're saying about the communication part of it is, is, you know, when you guys do come back, I know how much of a stickler you are about getting guys to communicate on the floor. And this is a teaching lesson. Like, listen, if you can communicate on Zoom where we're miles and miles away, you can communicate when we're on the floor together. And defensively, Obviously, yeah. offensively, all those things should really help uh, moving forward. You followed the coverage. You remember the headlines. But do you really know the full story? Hi, this is Mike Tirico, introducing you to Sports Uncovered, the newest podcast series from the storytellers at NBC Sports that will shine a fresh light on the most unforgettable moments in sports. The debut episode will explore I'm Back, two-word facts from Michael Jordan that put the NBA on notice. 
And it's an iconic statement to this day. That's the most impactful two words ever. Future episodes will include the side of Bill Belichick you didn't know existed. And he said, okay, that's it, Asante. Hit him with a pillow. Let's throw marshmallows at him the next time. So it's that sarcastic, funny humor that a lot of people are scared to death even to smile in those meetings. The uniform craze that revolutionized college football recruiting. I remember the first time we showed it to Phil, and he about fell out of his chair. The tragic death of Sean Taylor, the NFL superstar we didn't get to know. Sean Taylor died defending his family. He died saving the life of the two loves of his life. He died a man. Surviving the longest game of the NHL's modern era. The building actually ran out of food because the concessions had emptied everything that they had in supplies, and we were stealing from them to make sure we had some food to eat. And Barrett Robbins, in his own words, explaining why he disappeared just hours before the Super Bowl. Filled my backpack up with all the liquor from the minibar and took off towards Mexico. Episode 1 of Sports Uncovered on Michael Jordan will drop May 28th wherever you listen to podcasts. Don't miss an episode. Tap the subscribe button right now to get automatic downloads of Sports Uncovered for free.